Is it playing the song? All right. You, you might not be able to hear it. Great. <laughs> Yo. Welcome back to McMayhem, the podcast. The year is 2022. And today's date is, what's today's date? February 2nd. It's 2222. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know what that's called, like when it's all the same number, but whatever it is. Feels this, like good luck. It, it is good luck. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't think we were going to make it this far, ladies and gentlemen. When you when I would watch the Jetsons, which I think is like happening now, this is like the year the Jetsons were supposed to be taking place. I, I, I didn't know if we were going to make it here, but here we are in Los Angeles, California. It's a brave new year, and this is the first episode of the new year. Sean, how the fuck you doing, pal? Dude, I'm I'm fired up this year. I've been I've been grinding like a madman. It feels good. Yeah, so. man. Yeah. Sean's all up on that metaverse, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about crypto, and I've I've sold most of it and bought NFTs now. So oh, you 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 sold all your like most of it. <laughs> so uh, I'm, just, I'm all in now. You're all in. Are you what are you using? MetaMask, OpenSea. Yeah, exactly. All the above. I need to go get me a hardware ledger wallet. That's some real technical shit. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> um. We have a guest here today, and I don't know, and I feel weird talking about cryptocurrency yeah. and NFTs with someone I've never had that conversation with. But uh, her name is Janetta St. Clair, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Janetta St. Clair uh, was born in what state? I was born in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. In uh, Sheboygan, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, yes. I remember yeah. I remember that. Yeah. She's from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. She's got blonde hair. Mm -hmm. She's a grass-fed, purebred American. Gross. <laughs> who happens to be a hilarious comedian mm. and a brilliant actress, mm. a dear friend, mm. and an ex-girlfriend of mine. <laughs> Cherry on top. Pound it out. <laughs> <laughs> I met Janetta when oh, we went uh, oh, 10 years ago. Yeah. She was, she was this wide-eyed, long, blonde-haired, mm -hmm. energetic young lady who dressed mm -hmm. really interestingly and, I, and, and fun. <laughs> I dressed interestingly? I mean, like, I always liked the way that you dressed. Thank you. It was like, I, I didn't know anyone who dressed like that. I love this. Uh, she Thank you. She dressed like Steven Tyler. Hell fucking yes. I'll take that all day. <laughs> yeah. Janetta and I were a part of a uh, sketch comedy group, mm -hmm. or, or I guess you could say an ensemble, Yeah. called the Straight Jacket Society. Yes. And I remember we had to write our own material, and we had to judge our peers' material. And, there, and Janetta is easily the most competitive person I know. <laughs> You know me so well. This is wild. Yes, I am very competitive. There was this one time. Do you remember the Oscar party at Kim's you house? You bet your fucking ass I What's do. your version of that story? Um, I feel like somebody cheated and I didn't win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and she fought it tooth and nail. Yeah. I mean, for hours. And after she left, every one of my friends and roommates who, who loved her were like, man, she gets crazy with her, with her competitiveness. Yeah. And yeah. 
It's very true. It's very true. And now I box. So it, it can be released into the world, into bags and people's faces. I want to, I want to talk, I I do want to talk about all that stuff Mm -hmm. in the 10 years Mm -hmm. since I've known you. Yes. We don't see each other that frequently. We Mm -hmm. do touch base. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's like the way of just liking someone's picture or commenting Mm -hmm. on their post in their story and having a brief DM. Yeah. But Janetta and I have always kind of remained really cool with one another and collaborative. Yeah. There was this, TV show that we tried to get on like four years ago together where we were cooking and stuff like that. It was, but it was, we had to shoot a video. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about that. We made chicken. Yeah. We made chicken together. So, and that was our whole pitch was, was like, it. we're, we're make- exes making chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but since then, like you're, yes. you're boxing. Are I'm you a boxing. boxing coach? I am. Yeah, because yes. you said you were coaching. So tell yeah. me, tell me about how you were introduced to boxing. Oh boy, and, yeah. And where you do it? Uh-huh. Why it's why it's inspiring to you, etc. Yeah. So, oh boy. So I started boxing in 2015, mm-hmm. and I started doing it because my ex at the time, not you, a different one. Um, I have a few. They'll come into play at some point. And um, my ex was like, "You're really angry." Um, I think you should find something to release your anger. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I box. And I was never really, I was very athletic as a child, but I didn't like to work out because I don't like the gym atmosphere of like going to like an LA fitness or whatever and just like grinding weights. I don't know what they fucking do. But um, anyway, I just really like playing sports. So I started boxing and then that was, you know, a, long time ago now and then COVID happened my gym shut down and my buddy Josh Fingerhut that you know, know um was like you should come to my gym um and check it out and they were able to be outside and like during COVID and so I just got really into it more so than I already was and I feel like it was really all I had during the pandemic in yeah, a but certain that's a big way deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing, but, um, yeah, it was kind of like, so I just like, I got into it so much more than I think I would have if I had, if the world was, um, the way it was. And so now that, you know, the pandemic is the way it is now, I just got really into it. And then, um, slowly started, there was this opportunity to take like a coach's prep. And then I was like, Oh, fuck it. Why not? And I was doing like one-on-one and I was starting to spar and, everything like that. And I just completely fell in love with the sport. And then now watching people grow and progress and especially like watching women come in and be like, you can beat the shit out of somebody and release maybe a lot of built up anger that maybe we weren't allowed to express in certain areas and just watching all these people in the gym grow. And it's just been really beautiful. And also it helps with my anger issues Um, and it helps with my mind and my mental health. And yeah. And I just love it. I absolutely love it. That's awesome. I had Mm -hmm. a academic advisor in college when I was going through something. He was also like a buddy of mine. He said, you know, Matt sweat gets things out of your brain that no psychiatrist could ever dream of. Ah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. To this day, I try and sweat for at least 20 minutes a day. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm every day now. I'm every day. And now I'm training for the Spartan race. Now, what does that entail? I don't even know why I'm doing it, but everybody in my gym's doing it and I'm competitive. So I'm like, well, if you're doing it, I have to do it. And so now I'm training for the Spartan Rates in March, but basically it's like 
30 miles and like 50 obstacles in San Luis Obispo that we're doing like, yeah, right. (laughs) It's one of those things you see on a map. You're like, I don't know if the place is real. Apparently it's gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it's just like rolling hills and us just going to be like running and doing these crazy like Spartan obstacles. Like I think they throw javelin. Like I don't know, but I'm going to do it. All right. Well, let me know if I can support you in any way, shape or form. (laughs) I'll come there. I'll I'll hold the sign. I'll, I'll get crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just this thing where it's like, I I have this way about me that I've noticed more and more that I just have such a bucket list of things that I want to try everything once. I'm very much an experimentalist and I'm like, I need to do everything and see what it's like. Maybe that's my addiction. (laughs) That's what it is. I don't know. I mean, Janetta, uh... I don't know. You were always exciting to be around. You always, you were like, for example, you know, I'm wearing this Batman shirt. Yes. You know, I'm obsessed with Batman. Yes. And over a month's time, I knew Batman movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Like when the last <laughs> Batman movie came out, which we could talk about for hours because it's not that good. <laughs> Janetta like got tickets for me and her family. Like we all went to this whole, the opening night. It was, it, it was, we got frozen yogurt. It was ridiculous. Like she likes planning events. She mm-hmm. was always good at planning events. I yeah. mean, uh, I remember this one time, oh man, I got into a bike accident. Oh, fuck yeah. I, a car hit me going 60 miles an hour and like literally ripped the right side of my face off. Yeah. And I had a savior, like legitimate savior, and it was her because Aww. like, well, she showed up to my house and she like, and she, she got me a, a bottle of Jack Daniels, three or three or four ma- magazines, a, b- a book or two, obviously like a get well thing. But she was always very nurturing. And at one point in time, we were kind of a part of the same family, so to speak. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there. When you move out here, your friends and your and also by by nature, your relationships kind of become your family. Yeah, and my group of friends and her group of friends kind of blended seamlessly mm-hmm. and it was real it was really nice to be a part of that there's a movie by Adam Sandler com- called Funny People yeah have you ever seen it yeah yeah this is this might sound really weird and 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 I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to make you feel weird but you know uh-huh. that like relationship that he has with his ex in that movie like it, they dated when they were very young mm-hmm. and he like shows up not to necessarily rekindle anything but mm-hmm. just to like apologize mm-hmm. or just be like this town has a way of doing things to certain people where you might become a different version of yourself and yeah. but the original capsule that was created years and years ago is still very real yeah and i've always appreciated that and i yeah. guess on some way i'm not saying i'm adam sandler or you're his ex-girlfriend <laughs> in that movie but i always kind of viewed our relationship as such we mm-hmm. could you know we had this like I, I had just gotten here you know yeah. about a year and a half earlier i didn't yeah. know anybody yeah and um but speaking of jack daniels yes <laughs> here we go let's get into it i want to and if yeah, again great. if we get into anything that's uncomfortable for you You're just fine. let me know it's all good. Uh, Janetta and I used to party together too. Yes. Yes. And it was fun and it was sloppy and it was, there were, there was just a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. I have a great story of me, your roommate, Johnny used Uh to put on these epic parties, epic fucking parties. Blow up like balloon animals and all kinds of crazy shit. The whole apartment would turn into another universe. And 
I finally, but this was, no, this was for a Christmas party, I think. Anyway, so we go there and everybody's there. I mean, this, this apartment was huge and, um, they called it the mansion. Yeah, it was huge oh and God. so cheap. Can you oh believe in West Hollywood? Can I, you believe? I, I drove across the country <laughs> and my then friend, almost new roommates, like, yeah, my, um, my roommate's moving out. You can move into a room. I'm like, how much is it? She's like $600 a month. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I literally drove across the country, not knowing where I was going to live. And like in arguably one of the nicer neighborhoods in Los yeah. Angeles, Yeah. I, I was able to just kind of pull up to a driveway and have an apartment. Yeah. Nuts. That was crazy. Um, so it was at that apartment and I remember getting obliterated per usual and uh, going into the bathroom and my thing that I always for some reason just like She would poop bragged, in the tub. I pooped in the tub. And no, <laughs> I, the one thing that I would always brag about, I don't know why this is brag worthy, but I think like I always thought that your goal every time you drink, every time, even if it was a sip, was to get blacked out. That means you like accomplish something. Again, competitive. <laughs> and so <laughs> With yourself. <laughs> with my own fucking tell. So my my idea it's or my alcoholism. Exactly. Get ready. Yeah, so then I would go in I would always know that no matter what, I would always make it somewhere where you're supposed to vomit. <laughs> like I would make it to the toilet or I'd make it outside. And I that night did not. I remember I projectiled all over your bathroom. You don't even look at your face. You don't remember this because I cleaned it up. <laughs> pretty well I mean, <laughs> projectile vomited all over the wall and i remember being like damn it i missed the toilet and then like having to wipe it down and then you go back and party and yes. now i'm a sober alcoholic <laughs> oh no yeah i, I thank you for telling me that story yes. quick anecdote <laughs> that party specifically the party was about to start in like an hour like literally like probably 300 people were going to show up. Mm -hmm. And my roommate, Kim, my best friend, Kim, who's mm. one of those people who is an angel, but an hour before the party, she's like, um, I'm going to redo the bathroom floor. Like She went to Home Depot and like of ripped course. it. Like, like, I'm like, no, we have people showing up. She's like, I, it looks shitty. I'm going to get a whole new floor, like tile. The whole yeah. like, She had to retile the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, Kim, we have 300 people showing up. You're not going to retile the bathroom. <laughs> so, so just so you know, yeah. The floor you Great. were standing on was brand new that night. Oh, okay. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> oh, so she got it done in time. <laughs> she got it done in time. She can get anything done in time. She's an yeah. angel. She, uh, she is an angel in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's good to know. That yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> Jeanette, how long have you been sober? Uh, Four years and a month. Wow. A little over a month. Now, is it what we call yeah. California sober? No, it is sober <laughs> no, sober. She's, she's, she's sober I'm sober. sober sober. Um. Yeah, no, fully don't do anything. I drink a lot of coffee and I, what else do I do? I, I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. You don't smoke cigarettes anymore? No, I know. It's Man, sad. I miss it. She was it. like synonymous with smoking cigarettes. I know, I fucking love them. But cigarettes are still 2010, are so 2010. I know, now everybody's vaping or juuling or I actually recently got herbal cigarettes, which are like non-addictive non you, no nicotine yeah it's it's like a cigarette so it's basically what they use on set for movies and things yeah and i recently went through something and i was like i want to fucking do something and my friend's like herbal cigarettes and i was like yes and so i haven't had smoke in my mouth like that in a very long time what did it feel like heaven uh, <laughs> what i assume heaven is like she, she was one of those people who i, I, I don't this is gonna make you want to smoke a cigarette it's okay but it's okay she it just looked like it fit 
It, yeah, you know, like right? I'm, a, I'm six foot two. I'm an oaf. You put a cigarette in my hand, I just look like an. You I, look like I, a ding dong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, like Janetta with like a, a fur, like one of the like, fur, like a fur neck coat, <laughs> just stepping out with a chip on her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Smoking a cigarette. Yes. It just it looked like she was like the James Dean of of Melrose. Mm, it like adds that. the fuck up. I feel like yeah, losing that identity of being like a smoking alcoholic was really really difficult because it was just everything that I thought I was and what I was supposed to be for so long. And now it's like reclaiming other parts of myself that are healthier. So like the boxing side, I feel like really has filled in a lot of that, like wanting to be a fucking badass and like walk the street with a cigarette. And now it's like, I have my mitts or something. (laughs) Well, again, congratulations. And paired with all of this stuff, and this is something Mm -hmm. I've wanted to bring up, like, so in the last two years, the world has become very aware of a lot of social issues. Yeah. You know, uh, dealing with um, certain areas of society, mm-hmm. m- misrepresented groups of people, people mm-hmm. that are taken advantage of, obviously racial inequality. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, like, I, I don't know how to say this perfectly, but but mm. Janetta has always been at the forefront of this stuff. Way before any of the, the current acronyms became popular, Janetta was always kind of aware of social change it was something that she kind of held dear to her it was part of her identity that's so i didn't know you okay thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i guess i don't know i, I was know, just, yeah I, and so when the the hemorrhoid of our country god <laughs> yes started to flare up yeah like i i personally was made aware of a lot of these things previously mm. because of you and do you can you pinpoint in your life mm. where that started and why it was it's always kind of been a passion for you as mm. to be honest a a midwestern white woman <laughs> yeah um <laughs> thank you first of all that was uh yeah um i would say what's interesting about this is such a good question wow um Something that I will say, I don't have a great relationship with my parents, but something that my parents really instilled in us was like humanitarian work. My parents they were missionaries. They were missionaries. Now I'm not condoning missionary work by <laughs> well, any she's fucking means. Condoning the missionary position. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying if you can get paid to no, um, I'm saying that in terms of like what happened was I just found this out actually two days ago is that my dad had never left Illinois and Iowa until he was 18 years old. And then by the time that he was 21, he lived in Japan for five years and like learned that whole culture. So us being raised with such a cultured upbringing and on top of it, my parents were both teachers. My mom worked with ESL students. Um, My mom worked in the deaf community. My parents were both, you know, spoke Japanese. We always had foreign exchange students in our house, like my whole entire life. I had Japanese food like five days a week. I feel like that was a huge part of it that even though I lived in the Midwest and am a cis white woman, I feel like it very much opened my eyes and my heart to people of different walks of life that you don't see. And like, I never really experienced certain types of racism, which 
is shows also that I'm privileged um, until I moved to Indiana, <laughs> which adds up. And um, <laughs> of course, yeah. which adds the fuck up. And it was <laughs> I remember the first time that I heard somebody make it was my like buddy in seventh grade. Her mom said something really horrible. And I went to my mom and I was like, why did this woman say this? She said that like her daughter can't talk about this black man in this way. And my mom was like, okay, so some people are like that and some people have these views. And I go, am I not allowed to date whoever? And my mom goes, I don't care who you date as long as they treat you right. And that really, I think, was just the way that they raised us in certain ways. I mean, there is also the side of it that my parents are very, very religious. And I grew up in a very, like, bubble community, like Christian bubble community um, so there are certain aspects of that that I do not agree with, nor did I agree with, and that I don't have the same views as my family. Mm -hmm. But I do see as I've grown up and as I've become sober and as I've come out and I'm queer and like all of these things, they're starting to see a little bit more. And also with everything that happened during the pandemic, like me taking a break from my family for the past two years, my parents specifically, and sending them emails of like, if you want to have a conversation with me again, like I need you to do your research around these things and how like white supremacy has played a role in the church on top of like my childhood and who I am and how I'm actively working to dismantle it. And I would hope that you would do the same. Um, in order to also just accept me for who I am as a queer person, because um, that also definitely plays a role, a big role in what my childhood was like, is like, you can't be gay, you can't have an abortion, women are second <laughs> or last, um, things like that. So there was like the cultural aspect of the humanitarian stuff, and like, but then there was also these other sides of it that I think play a huge part in yeah. the Christian community. Not to go real deep. <laughs> no, no. I, I listen. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts. About yeah, please. All the, um, and this is something that I not struggle with. I not struggle with, but I was raised straight Catholic. I am no longer Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a spiritual man. Mm. I have a relationship with my higher power, and that's mm. something that I've been actively working on mm. daily. And you just spoke about racial inequality and racism you spoke about sexual identity and gender orientation mm -hmm. and you and you you put them in the same conversation and i think that's actually something that's worthwhile to bring up because mm -hmm. uh these are still things that are very much misunderstood and mistreated in america mm -hmm. and the world mm -hmm. and how do you how how do you as a former christian or a <laughs> incorporate mm -hmm. spirituality into your sobriety mm. and then how do you also incorporate your identity now as it stands now that you're confident with who you are mm -hmm. into your art okay you just dropped a mic in your own way <laughs> you said it and then you turned like you fucking knew that you just laid some um Let's see. Spirituality in my sobriety was the first question. I would say that it changes all the time. I would say that it's very hard for me to say that I'm spiritual. It is very hard for me to say certain words because I do have a lot of childhood trauma around 
the religion. Uh-huh. It did a lot of really bad things. Um, mm. I, I mean, I was forced to go every Sunday. My parents were both Lutheran school teachers. I was forced to be a part of that community until I was 18. And honestly, it wasn't until I started working in downtown Indianapolis at a place called Jillian's. It's like a Dave and Buster's. Um, which how do parents let children host at a bar at 16, but we'll let them deal with that. But it was wild. Um, but that's the first time that I really started seeing queer people. And I think, and one of them took me to a a gay church and it was a Christian queer church and it was wild. And I was like, wait, you can. And cause I think for the most part, I always knew at some subconscious level that I was queer, but had absolutely no words around it and no way to like understand it. And I always thought like my view of it was like willing grace. Right. So it was like, if your voice is silly, then you're gay. Like that, that's what my concept of it was. So for me, it's been really enmeshed because It's so much of pulling apart these old ideas of what I've thought spirituality had to be or had to look like and now accepting it as it like it can look like whatever I want it to look like. It's my program. It's my recovery. It's my higher power. And it doesn't have to look like somebody else's. And and for me, like. Honestly, more recently, atheism has seemed more like my vibe. What's the difference between atheism and agnostic? Agnostic, as far as I know, agnostic means that you believe, you don't believe there's a God, but you don't not believe there is a God. It's like, you don't, you're just kind of like in the middle, like whatever, whatever floats your boat. For me, atheism is like, I don't believe there is a God, but I do believe in science and I believe in like energy. And if people want to call that a higher power, great. That word's just hard for me. So for me, it's like higher self. Um, It's just a constant evolution and working on who I am as a person and knowing every day I'm going to show up and just try and be a better version of who I am today than I was yesterday. And I think too, like one thing that was really, really helpful for me, especially with like being in a 12 step program and getting sober and all these things, it's very wrapped around spirituality and around God and especially like a Christian version of God. And for me, somebody said, you know, your program would kill me and my program would kill you. So very much like you can have your God, I can have my God, but mine's okay because it works for me and yours is okay because it works for you. And it I feel like you work it, it works. So, so work it, you're worth it. <laughs> you're, <laughs> exactly. So I think if, you know, potentially if more people could be accepting of other people and allowing them to just be kind and loving towards others, like... That's just kind of what I guess my higher power is and my spiritual practice. Oh man, amen. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's why we have this girl on, woman. Uh, how do you identify? She, they, she, they. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, that that's those are my pronouns. But yeah, they. woman's fine. I honestly, my partner's trans. Uh, they, them, non-binary, and like for me, I just. I mean, that's a whole nother thing to open up, but basically I just respect whatever anybody wants to be called. So I, for me, it's whatever 
I don't really care. You can call yeah. me a fucking bro. You can call me a dude. You can call me he. Kinda, I do kinda not. I've always been my bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no, 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 but uh, oh, we used to just have a lot of fun hanging out. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna real quick. I did ask you a second question. Oh, you did. Yeah. But, but, sorry. Uh, and I'm, let me just make a smaller version of that question. Mm -hmm. Seeing as your identity has changed or been mm -hmm. actualized and mm -hmm. bloomed, right, mm -hmm. in the mirror in front of you and in the mirror of the world, mm -hmm. and because you're an extremely talented comedian, like I saw her on stage at the, the Laugh Factory a, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, blew my mind. Um, and it's inspiring to watch. How has all of this? Because your voice as an artist, mm -hmm. obviously changed right so yeah. ha how has all of this affected how you uh your your artistic process yeah i uh fuck i started so obviously we talked about like you and i had done comedy for years and i'd been act acting and wanting to act since i was a baby and um now and then i didn't even start doing stand-up until i got sober right so i started doing stand-up when i was six months sober and all i could talk about was like I'm an alcoholic. Like that was the, it was just like word vomit after word vomit, projectile vomit. Yeah. She, after had, to, word she had a part of her joke where she was talking, she oh, peed yeah. in the kitchen, but yeah, uh, oh, I yeah. did. I peed in the kitchen. A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, always why well, I peed everywhere. Um, anyway, uh, I still do, but in a toilet. Um, anyway, so how has it changed? I think, you know, something that's interesting, too, is because when COVID happened, I stopped doing stand-up as much for obvious reasons. Um, but it was really, really difficult to be in that world sober. It's really fucking hard. Um, it is a, late night. Late nights. Everybody's doing drugs, drinking. But also, and that's like how a lot of networking happens. And I think for me, it was like, I would see, I would do like a whole day of mics, like working on my set. And then by the end of the day, somebody would like hand me a joint and I'd grab it thinking like, why am I sober again? Like all my serenity had like left my mind. It's just a really tough world to be in, especially with the like, I'm just going to say it, the Joe Rogan-y types that it's really fucking hard to be around that, especially as like a queer person, a person that's more aware of the world has like this full, like full feelingness of my body. So during the pandemic, I realized how much I really missed acting. And so I kind of switched back over. I mean, I'm still doing comedy. She, and she's fantastic. I used to go to this class that she took uh, and because um, her teacher liked me for some reason. And I would watch and I would sit and watch these scenes that she would do. I mean, she would murder this shit, you know, I mean, murder it. Uh, it, it, it she's incredible. Go That's on. very <laughs> kind. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Fuck all you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, during, yeah. So during the pandemic, I started getting back into acting and um, took it really, really slow. And honestly, just tried to see why I loved it again. Like, like oh. re-fall in love with art and like take a step back and see, am I doing this because the drive and the hustle and the passion and whatever, or am I doing this? Because like, this is what I always wanted to do as a kid is like make people laugh, share kindness, like share a part of me with the world and also like adapt into other worlds and see what their lives are like. And now being sober and doing and like getting back into acting is blowing my fucking mind. It feels like I'm getting sober all over again. Cause it's like, your brain is healing 
when you get sober, like I first started reading books, <laughs> like, and I was like, I can read these books. Like these words are sticking in my brain. And my therapist was like, yeah, you're healing. Like your brain is healing. And now like when I'm performing and acting, I'm like so enmeshed that I'm like so sensitive and I can just feel everything, have every like empathy, sympathy, compassion, Stuff understanding that you numbed for a long time, numbed for so long. So now it's like, I mean, I'm so close to tears so often, but I think that's really beautiful. It's like, I just feel things now, which oh, I wasn't God. able to feel before. So I, that's how it. I feel about art. It's like, that's it's a great so answer cool. Too. Jesus. <laughs> Janetta St. Clair kill, killing the game. I'm trying. Killing the I'm fucking trying. game. Usually I'm just talking like a motherfucker. And then <laughs> she, she comes in like she got prepared questions. No, uh, no idea. No. Um, have you ever read the power of now like yes. okay great just because mm -hmm. there's a there's a, a, a phrase in the beginning of that book that says something like once i started realizing the power of being present like just looking at a tree was different yeah you know I, yeah it's crazy um, yeah yeah it's a lot of feelings though it can be really tough i give you a lot of credit i give you a oh, lot thanks. of credit for evolving as much as you have and i've it's, it's been a it's been a pleasure to watch now i want to talk about something much more serious and that would be snacks great <laughs> I really would love to talk about this. Okay. Because I feel like I am so good at finding the chip dip combo at Trader Joe's specifically. I think I literally am the best at that. Okay. Well, there's, <laughs> lot, there's, there's lots of dips. I yeah. got, a, I got this, this chip from Trader Joe's last week that mm -hmm. was uh, Russell potatoes, russet potatoes. They're like brown. I really oh, don't yeah, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're super salty, but God, I are they know. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> are they, they're nice. Oh, I finished the bag. See, that's yeah. the thing I'm oh. working on is eating. Like, yeah. I, my therapist told me I do something called restrictive eating, where uh -huh. I only get X amount of things keep it, to keep in my house so I don't overdo it. Yeah. Because I, if I have a jar of peanut butter, it's gone in a day. I get it. I feel that way about chocolate chip cookies. It <sighs> changed. Once you get sober, you just eat. I just eat cookies all the time. And now I'm trying as I'm like preparing for this fucking marathon thing. Like I'm watching myself, like I have cookies in my car and I'm like, leave them in your car. Just leave them in your car so you don't eat all the cookies. Like <laughs> I just want cookies all the time. No, I, I get it. I, I, I have a serious food addiction, like serious. Yeah. Um, but Janetta, I want to talk about dips. Okay. So she used to, correct me okay. if I'm wrong. She's the girl, uh -huh. probably the only girl person that they, they are the only person people. whatever you want to do <sighs> do it all i'm trying no um, you did you did them all <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> do whatever you want that I takes popcorn from the movie theater and dips it in nacho cheese yes i still do that that's great stuff <laughs> and you put a jalapeno on oh top. come on now come on it's now. got a little jalapeno hat you dip see you gotta you can't be afraid to get messy all right so you take the you take the handful of the popcorn and you dip it in the nacho cheese and you throw a pino on top and you pop it in, and it is a delight. I will, <laughs> I will go to town. Sometimes I need two buckets of cheese. I'll tell you what. I stole that from you, and my son can't <gasps> stand it. He's like, Dad, do not get the jalapenos because the juice is going to get on the rest of the popcorn. <laughs> Dad. I like, oh, but I got to get the jalapenos. You got to. <laughs> got to. I have I, a jar of them in my fridge. You know what you do is you get the bucket. So you get the bucket of popcorn. Now, this Coffee. is for one person. This isn't to share. So I don't know what your child's talking about. But you get the bucket of popcorn and you put it in one of those like rectangle boxes they have. Coffee. And you dump it in there. Right. Then you butter. Shake. A nice little salt. And then in the corners is where you open up the toppings and you put them in the corners so you have them in the little cups. 
So then you really have a nice placement in front of you for the time of the film. It's like a charcuterie board <laughs> or whatever. It really is. Like, oh, I am. Goodness. Now, when you say American bread, I think that <laughs> is where that comes in. Everything else, fuck America. But everything else, that. Um, Trader Joe's has like, you know, like a yogurt dill pickle dip situation. They got mm. hummus. Oh, my they God. Have the dill pickle the, chips. The, 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 uh, now you dip a chip and a ketchup. Huh? I don't know if I like you I, Okay, you come on. You can't do that. I'm going to tell you some more that my partner just did. Uh, you do a salt and vinegar chip in a a 0% Greek yogurt that has no flavor. And it almost is like a sour cream. <laughs> I got one more for you. All right. So you take a no. flaming Hot Cheeto. Copy. And you dip it in a cream cheese. Ooh! <laughs> wow. I know. I know. I know. You know, in high school, when I was big chub chub, <laughs> I was, you were so cute. I, I, uh, I used to get a bagel and toast it and put cream cheese on it, and then I put Cool Ranch Doritos on top of it. Right. You got to do it. Ooh, that's nice. You, you know, know, you know, our dear friend Kate McDougald, my dear friend, um, but you know her well. She always did a pretzel dipped in ranch. Oh, Still man. loves it to this day. Dude, tell her about the bagel that you scooped out. That was amazing oh, sounding. Yeah. What did I do? Oh, oh yeah, you're gonna love this. <laughs> Give it to me. I took a bagel. I cut it in half. I scooped it out. Right. You scooped out the bagel. You'll follow me here. Okay. <laughs> and then I took egg. Uh huh. And I, 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 I powderized uh, hot takis. Uh huh. And I mixed it in with the egg and cheese. And then I, I poured it into the ravine <laughs> of the empty. The moat. Bagel. Yes. The moat. The moat. And I put it in the air fryer for five minutes and it crystallized inside the bagel. And I took it out and I ate it. I've never been the same. Is it, do you do this often? Because that sounds I've like done a it, I've fucking done it delight. three times. Okay, I'm going to need to try that. That sounds incredible. Air frying. We talk about air frying a lot on this podcast. <laughs> Brought to you by the air fryer. I, please. Yeah, please sp- some air fryer company sponsored this motherfucker. Please. I won't say motherfucker. But like, I know. I cuss so much. Okay. Um... Wait, there was something I wanted to say about that with bagels. Oh, I went to New York for the almost the first time. I saw that. Is that where your partner lives? No, no, no. Well, they're from there. They're from there. Okay. Um, but no, they didn't go with me. I went uh I went on my own. It was kind of like a I wanted to have a break from um just everything in LA for a minute. So I went to go see my friend Matthew in DC. Copy. And then I, know I him. yeah. And then I went to for a week and then I went to New York for a week. And that was really my first time in New York. I mean, I went when I was like three, five, something like that. Something Mm. you don't have any memory. So it was my first time like actually seeing New York City. Wow. And I thought you should know that. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Uh, I remember when we were dating... I, I was, went home to visit New York where I'm from and I sent her a picture from New York City and she's like, I can't wait to go there one day and I'm glad mm-hmm. that you did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, interesting. it's intense. It's intense. It's heavy. I love my car. I don't love the car I have currently, but I do love being in my own space. Mm-hmm. I love that you can get anywhere on a train. But you really can't. It's got the same vibe, I think, as like if you live. You wrote that fucking sketch. If you live in West Hollywood. Oh my god! I was gonna bring this the up. Valley, the Valley, the yeah. Burbank. So we. Uh, yeah, go go go. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I. Well, we wrote it. We wrote it. It was my idea. We wrote it. Okay. <laughs> she killed it. 
<laughs> right? It was inspired by our relationship. She was li- she lived in like the valley at yeah. the time, and I lived in West Hollywood. Yeah. And it was two strangers that meet on a park bench. One's reading a book, and they're like, "Oh, I think someone's like, oh, that's my favorite book." And then they start going back and forth about the things they like. Like my favorite band is Dave Matthews Band, or or, or <laughs> I like dancing on Fridays. Like they start finishing each other's sentences for the whole thing. I wish I would have printed it out because that's I'm not giving great examples. No, you're doing you know, great. My, my brother's name is Carl. Like we yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had so much everything in common. Like uh-huh. we're, we're our lot, we were meant to be to, with each other. And then I said something to the effect of, "Where have you been all my life?" And she says, "Burbank." And I stand up, say, fuck you, give her the finger and walk away. (laughs) Uh, It's so true. It is. It is. Although I was dating somebody that lived in Playa and then my other partner lived in um, Pasadena and then I'm in Studio City and I made it work. For eight months. <laughs> when you say other part, you mean simultaneous? I'm non-monogamous, yeah. Oh, that's called polyamorous? Yeah, sure. You can, again, call it whatever you want. All right. Yeah. Bro. bro. <laughs> Please call me bro. I love it. Bro. I also work at a gym and like I'm around that all the time. I told them the other day, I was like, the only names I have heard of these dudes' idols are Elon Musk, Bezos, and fucking Joe Rogan. I was like, that is all the names I hear constantly. So, bro's yeah. fine. Uh, how long have we been going? 42. That's good. Um, well, I think we're going to, I think we've got a, a, more than enough, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to stop talking to you, but because we covered everything that I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to I thank Janetta St. Clair for being our first adult guest on this podcast. I, I want to just quickly ask you if there's anything you have going on that you'd like to promote, if there's uh, how people can get in contact with you via socials, mm-hmm. any stand-up shows you have coming up, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera. Got it. Thank you. Uh, so my social is at Janetta St. Clair, and that's my like actory comedy one. Then I have at Janetta Beats Your Face, which is my makeup one and also potentially going to be my boxing one because I think it goes hand in hand. Okay, I have one more thing to talk about. Okay, go. So she does, she does makeup really yeah. well and professionally, right? Yeah. She beats your face, whatever. It's not whatever. It's awesome. Yeah. She got... She was hot. My, the, oh, my, yeah. ch- my child's mother, who is a wonderful person, and her, and her partner in life, Doug, they were at the Oscars this past year, and they needed someone to do makeup, and they hired Janetta to be their makeup person. Yeah. And I just find out, like, how weird is this town in that sense? It's like, so wild. That was really, really random because it was like somebody reached out to me that it was uh, my friend Alec, I believe. I know reached, yeah. yeah. So she reached out to me and was like, hey, my friend's partner is um, going to the Oscars and they have all these people that need to get their makeup done. I was like, okay, cool. And then her friend hit me up and goes, hey, so you might know me. I'm <laughs> Matt's baby mama. And I was like, oh my God. And so it was just very, very random. And then when I got everybody ready, she showed up with her partner and it was just really lovely because I think I've known obviously about her. I don't know if I've ever met her in no. person. Nope. Um, and yeah, it was really cool yeah, that like told, the yeah. world just comes like full circle and there's like a lot of love there because there was a lot of love here and there's a lot, you know, like yeah, no, all of our friends are kind of connected. Like I still see Kim all the time and yeah. like, you know, you know, Finger Hut and I see him all the time. And so all these people are just like. Because that was our base. Like you said, when you came yeah. out here, it was like your first year and it was my 
just really out of college. So it was kind of my building my world you've as grown well. Into a, you've grown into a, a wonderful woman. And um, you did say something I, I, in one of your like Instagram posts last mm. week that said something like, I want to sit here with these feelings and this pain mm. so that at some point I, I can understand it and grow. Mm. It, I'm giving a, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. And you're just uh, aware and of yourself and your and your feelings and your station in life right now and uh it's been a pleasure watching that train travel all these years and i know it hasn't been easy because life isn't mm. all the time mm. but it seems like you're really taking a bite out of the apple and and appreciating it and and my hat's off to you oh that's so nice thank you yeah i appreciate that and uh yeah. so ladies and gentlemen with that said this is i believe episode eight of mcmayhem the podcast we will be back next week with carrot top <laughs> <laughs>